You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Guidepost. It's going to be a quick deal, rapid reaction thing. We just put a blog out. Uh, you know, check us out on social so you can read the blog. But, you know, we have so many different ways to communicate. We thought uh, we thought it might be best to, to do a real quick podcast so y'all could hear it while you were driving. Save you the time to read the blog. So um, we're just going to go over this real quick. And it's just me on here today. But, you know, the bottom line is this, like, when we went through the addendum to so, so stripe ass meeting tuesday august 1st next week today's friday we're going to get this thing up today um when we walked out of the may meeting um you know the results were unanimous everyone voted addendum to we felt like you know we had some momentum behind conservation um you know the people recognized that there was a pretty serious problem and you know, y'all were responsible for that. Um, you know, our listeners, the people who sign on to our letters, the people who attend the hearings and and do all the hard stuff and, you know, really sincerely care about the future of this fishery for themselves, for their kids, for their grandkids. So thank you all. And we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for all of y'all. Um, you should feel very proud. Um so, you know, as we've been working through this process, we've been told a couple of times, like, trust the process, you know, um, things are, you know, going towards conservation, there's momentum on our side, and eh, yeah, we're a little too old, uh, a little too experienced. Uh, where I'm from, we call us long teeth. Um, been around a while. I don't trust anything. I trust a couple of things. I don't trust striped bass management. Well, all of our pessimism came back around, kicked us right in the ass over the last couple of days. So, you know, we've been hearing um, that, you know, the typical, <laughs> typical same folks, Maryland, you know, New Jersey, Delaware, they are going to hop in and say wait 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 we shouldn't we shouldn't do anything we shouldn't do any more you know the stock assessments coming up next year um we should wait for that so what that essentially does well let me take a take a step back they're just gonna kick the can down the road instead of actually taking action we need to see the data now, it's funny, it's the same data that they questioned when we doubled harvest in 2022, right? So here's the deal. And this is the reason why we're doing the podcast. And this is why we wrote the blog. You know, we have we have pretty good connections, you know, spanning across many states. And if, if we want to find something out one way or another, we're going to find it out or we're going to find someone who can find it out. 
and the numbers aren't finalized on this, but we are pretty dead to rights confident that the 2023 spawn is going to be hot garbage. Um, you know, the surveys are still going on, but traditionally, if you uh, understand, you know, after the first few weeks, if you look at what they're getting, you, you know what's going to happen, right? Well, the Upper Bay did not produce. The Potomac did not produce. The Chester River did not produce. The Patuxent blanked. And the big one is the Chop Tank, Nan and Coke. We haven't heard anything directly from that. I did hear a couple whispers, and it wasn't good. And this goes in line with what we were thinking. I mean, the the conditions this winter were unfavorable. And I want to be real clear on something, okay? Super clear. Stripe bass, they say there's no stock recruitment relationship. And what that means is doesn't matter how many adults are in the system, they could have a good spawn or a bad spawn. So there's no relationship between the size of the stock and the size of the young of the year class. It's more, more related to environmental conditions. And I am here to tell you that that is not true. You can ask just about anyone, any of the scientists on the board, if a, and it's not, this is not just striped bass. This is true of many species who are broadcast spawners. There's no stock recruitment relationship if the stock is doing okay. If the stock falls below a certain level, there is most definitely a stock recruitment relationship. I'm bringing that up because now is not the time to say, oh, the bay's changing. Goodness gracious, we can't do anything about it. Let me, let me tell you something. I'm going to be real clear, crystal clear on this. If something changes, that means it changes. That means that if striped bass or the bay is no longer a, a nice place for striped bass to be, that means that something else would move in. That means that we would have, you know, that whole drum family. We would have weak fish. We would have speckled trout. We would have redfish, spot, croaker. Guess what? We don't have nothing. There are no croaker. There are no weak fish. The, the redfish are pretty much contained to, you know, the southernmost portions of the Maryland Bay in Virginia, which predominantly is where they've always been. Um, I caught one speckled trout this year in my home waters. That's how good the speckled one. That's how good the speckled trout fishing's been. So if the bay was changing, Shit, at this point, let it change. I mean, seriously, I would just like something to catch. It's not changing. We have annihilated striped bass. So what we're looking at now is five years in a row of poor, poor recruitment. Um, we're pretty guarded. We're, we cross all our T's and dot all our I's. We do not go out on a limb on much stuff we're pretty tough gritty group but we fact check and there's no way on god's green earth that we would say that it was going to be a horrible spawn if all indications weren't pointing to that it's going to be a horrible spawn this has never happened before 
go back to whatever the 1950s where they were keeping the young of the year it has ne- we have never had five bad years in a row okay so we'll do a little piece of history for you try and try and paint a picture of what's happening here 2014 Maryland DNR authorized a 14% increase in commercial striped bass harvest. They did that because they knew in 2015 that we were going to take a reduction. Now, in 2015, we were supposed to take a 38% reduction. 38. We ended up taking a 25 because everyone said, oh my gosh, the 2011 year class, they're going to save everything. We don't need to take that big of a reduction. Let's bet on them. And then the Chesapeake Bay said, hey, you know what? We haven't cheated the world enough. We're a male fishery. We should only take a 20.5% reduction. So that's what they took. So the reality is we should have taken almost a 40% reduction. We took a 25% for the ocean, a 25 for the bay. And when push comes to shove, you're probably talking about a 5% reduction for commercial quota because they took a, taken a 14% increase in 2014. Since that time, the commercial sector has not in the Chesapeake Bay has taken a 1.8% reduction from 2015 to 2023. And I want you to think about the massive, massive amount of reductions the recreational sector has taken. So to put this in perspective, you know, people are probably listening to this and like, well, you know, the commercials are only 10%. Okay. Not in the Bay. Not in the bay, not in a juvenile, not in this juvenile fishery. Okay. The Potomac River has like almost the same quota as the state as New York. In in numbers of fish, we kill 80% of the commercially harvested fish in the Chesapeake Bay. All right. Then they gave a carve out to the, you know, fill the cooler segment of the charter for hire not the guides. And they said, well, y'all can kill two fish. That resulted in Maryland charter boats killing more fish in the Maryland portion of the Chesapeake Bay than the rest of the Chesapeake Bay and the ocean combined. Charter fleet killed 241,000 fish. The Maryland Chesapeake Bay fleet killed 142,000. The whole time, folks, this could be the fifth year of a bad spawn. The commercial sector has taken no drop, no cut in quota. The the fill the box charter group is still getting two fish that killed more than everyone else. So what's going on with the recreational sector, the private rec and the guides and everything? Well, when you look at the, if you go on the ASMFC website and you download the documents for the meeting, there's one called the review of the interstate fisheries management plan. And if you go down to page 31, and look on the chart of that document, Chesapeake catch and release mortality is the lowest ever recorded. To understand catch and release mortality is just 9% of the numbers of fish that were caught and released. So I want you to think about that. These numbers go back to 1993. That's during the moratorium, essentially. The numbers were the lowest ever recorded entire Chesapeake Bay. So what does that tell you? It tells you two things. Nobody's fishing. It's horrible. And the people who aren't fishing aren't catching much. At all. That's how bad it is.
And I bring this up because the effort in the Chesapeake Bay has fallen so much that if you go to that same document and you look at total catch and release mortality for the recreational sector, it's 39%. It isn't, no one can stand up and say it's half of total mortality in those catch and release guys. It's 39%. Harvest has taken the stage for these fish. Okay. And I'm sure DNR is going to come out, Maryland DNR is going to come out and they say, oh, goodness gracious, let's all pat each other on the back. This is because of our two week closure in the summer. That's totally unenforceable and you can't account for. Well, I mean, that's a joke. That's a pretty big joke. It's because there's no damn fish. You know, the recreational sector regulates itself. The highest catch and release mortality was at the peak of the population in 2006, and nobody gave a damn because we were catching fish. Nobody cared. This is the lowest ever recorded. So where do you think the population is, folks, especially a juvenile fish? Because that's what we're catching in the Chesapeake. Well, that's what we used to catch in the Chesapeake Bay. So, you know... We totally understand that there are some areas in New York and Cape Cod that are experiencing fantastic fishing right now. And what we're trying to tell you is like, first of all, you know, I'm glad somebody's catching some fish, really am. But what we're saying directly impacts you because come 2027, no matter what we do, no matter what management action we take, the population of adult striped bass is going to fall off a cliff. And it's going to keep falling for five years. I want you all to think about that. I want you all to think about that. You are living right now today in the best fishery that you will probably have. I mean, you know, because look, guys, it's going to fall off. And then the fish have to get big for you all to catch them again. Right now, today, you're probably going to experience the best fishery that you all are going to experience for the next 12 to 15 years. Because figure, you know, they got to get seven or eight years old to make them up, to make it up to you. You know, that's about, that's about right. You know, when they, if they leave the bay and you got nothing coming for five years, your best hope is that we have a good spawn next year by the, by a miracle that, that what you're experiencing right now is about as good as it's going to get. And it's going to slide. You know, it's almost like one of those things that like, you know, big, huge, thunderstorms coming and and you know you live like a couple hundred miles to the west of your friend and you're like man that was terrible and they're like ah what do you mean man it's sunny we're having a we're having a cookout making some barbecue and you're like dude it's gonna get bad a couple oh man what are you talking about there's not a cloud in the sky it's coming you got a storm coming and we're we're trying to we're trying to lessen that blow as much as we can and we're fighting for y'all so Essentially, what we have here is the fifth year of no fish, terrible spawning, the lowest catch and release mortality numbers in the history of record keeping for the Chesapeake Bay. And we have a three million pound per commercial quota, which is substantially larger uh, in the bay, which is substantially larger than the entire ocean quota. The ocean quota for commercial fishermen has stepped up to the plate and contributed to conservation. And the Chesapeake Bay has not stepped up to the plate in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, they've exacerbated the problems. So, like again, I, I said this in another another deal. Uh, uh, you know, if I was if this was a duck, 
and there were there were no little baby ducks born, no little baby ducks joining the adult ducks. Uh, you know, Delta Waterfowl, uh, Ducks Unlimited, Saskatchewan, they'd all get together and say, hey, man, we can't kill six ducks this year. We got to kill three because there ain't very many of them. And all the duck hunters would go, okay, that makes sense. I don't know why striped bass aren't treated like this. So we're not in the first year of no baby ducks or the second year of no baby. We're in the fifth year of no baby ducks. And they're like, yeah, you know, yeah, commercial quota, 3 million pounds that's bigger than the entire ocean quota. That's legit. That makes sense. Literally nothing, zero is going to make it to your to your ocean stock unless something is done. So the most shocking thing in this entire scenario is that the state that is performing the surveys and has the data and is fully aware that this is going to be a bad spawn is the state that's trying to kick the can down the road, Maryland. I firmly believe that they have a responsibility to the rest of the coast to maintain a certain amount of fish that should make it to the ocean and make it available for the rest of the coast to catch. And they're back at it gaming the system. That's what we think their strategy is going to be come Tuesday. They're going to question the data, say we should wait for the update in the stock assessment and buy another year to pound the bejesus out of these fish. So, you know, there's a new governor in Maryland. There's a new secretary at Maryland DNR. There's a new fisheries director. And we had a little bit of hope that things would change. <laughs> yeah. So, look, we're going to stay on this lasered in and here's and here's what i hope everyone listens to right we're going to record that asmfc meeting we have the software to do it and every single thing ridiculous thing that comes out of the kick the can down the road crowd we are going to turn it into sound bites and when that bad young of the year comes out you're going to own it. That's going to be your legacy because you know it, you're ignoring it, and you're going to pay for it. And we hope, we hope that common sense wins the day. But here's the bigger picture. If harvest in the bay is not throttled back severely, y'all aren't going to get any fish. None of them. We need to really start looking at different management for the Chesapeake Bay. We need to do something with the few fish that we have. And there has to be drastic changes. I I don't know what the ocean can do, the ocean fishery can do, that's going to make as big of a difference as drastic changes in the Chesapeake Bay. That's it. We'll be on the meeting on Tuesday. We thank all y'all for listening. And, you know, you could probably expect a podcast from us right after that meeting is over with as soon as we can make a pot of coffee and take four Advil. So we're here for you. We're paying attention. Here we go.